All right, how's my hair? All right, well, welcome to the RSP. <laughs> Boy, I don't even know what this is. Welcome what show to... is this? What day is it? Who this am I? Offsides, encroachment. Hold on, false start. What are we Offsides on everybody Flags. but the center. Flags. He was giving him the business. Everywhere. Flags everywhere. Yes, welcome to week one of the RSP quick game. That's Mark Schofield already getting a little bit of the water there. Um, and I'm Got Mount Holman and I'm checking my hair. So... Here we go. Let's just get rolling here. We've got nine questions, but some of them more in depth than others. So I thought it'd be fun to do. We're going to play a little game to start off of chef, shopper, farmer. And the way I look at it is this. We always talk about how the coaches, do they really have a chef, someone who can put all the ingredients together and make a good dish? Do they have a shop or a GM, someone who can like pick the ingredients or a coach if sometimes the coach wants to be you know get by the groceries like bill parcel says but then we we also want to know whether they have a farmer meaning like do they have a coaching staff that can take some raw players and you know grow them from magic beans into something you know into something that can work out so i'm now that we've kind of explained the premise of this i'm going to name a team and mark you tell me You'll start, and I'll go after that. Which of these have any three, uh, a chef, shopper, and or farmer? The Cleveland Browns. I want to say chef here. I, and again, I said last week, I am all in on what Cleveland has done. I love it when an organization sees a problem and goes into fix it. You look at all the improvements they made on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have the ingredients on both sides of the football right now. I really like what they've put together. And yes, sitting here right now, I think the Cleveland Browns win the AFC. That's how all in I am on them right now. So I'm going to say they have a chef. Yeah, I definitely agree that they have a chef. I'm starting to think they might have a shop or two. Um, I'm thinking that, that you know being able to target what they need and and go from there that's pretty good um you know i think they've had real problems with the farming and and for and at one point they you know but we'll see if that's going to get a little bit better or they were pretty good farmers and then they kept giving away the product um you know they did that for a while under the shanahan era um or at least there when shanahan was a co you know was an assistant coach so okay cool Tennessee Titans. Titans are tough. I'm going to say shopper here. You know, they, they've put some pieces together, but they've also let some stuff sort of walk away. Corey Davis being part of that. John o. Smith being part of that. Um, you know, maybe it's a farmer shopper blend, but when the farmer gets to market, they kind of get confused and make some mistakes at market day. Um, you know, I think letting Corey Davis walk might be something they'll look back on. Now, adding Julio Jones is obviously a nice way to compensate for that. I love Elijah Molden, the slot corner they drafted. I was a huge fan of his coming out of Washington. So I, I, I think they're good-ish, I'd say, at acquiring talent and going and getting some stuff and maybe developing some talent because you look at A.J. Brown and his development. I think that's a nice job that they did. But I'm not ready to say that, look, they've got a chef. They've got everything they need. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I definitely think Shopper is – is probably the best thing that they have. And I'm not, you know, I, I would say it's good, but not great. Um, now, at the same time, I'm going to highlight a player that might add a little bit to their shopping. They're in an inconsistent shopper. It's like they know how to they know how to pick berries, but they really stink with the melon. You know, yeah. it's like 
So yeah. one of the berries that they picked that did pretty that might be pretty good is this Mackay um, Sergeant. He's an Iowa running back who's going to be their second string guy basically by default because Brian Hill got hurt and then Darrington Evans got banged up. Um, and Darrington Evans is a good example of a player that I don't think that they did a great job of shopping for, um, but they were kind of trying to force feed him into their system. But but, you know, he's not, they tried him out a little bit at receiver early on. Sargent's a guy who can catch the ball really well, and he's a smart runner. I don't know if he's a high-end athlete, but certainly a smart runner. So I'm, you know, I'm with you on that as well. I don't have much of a at different comment there. But what about the Chiefs? Are they chefs or they got a little bit more? I think they got everything. I think you could make the case that they have all three. You look at how they've developed talent. I mean, I look, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But they did a good job at sort of handling his growth and development. You could make the case that had he ended up with the Bears, had he ended up with, you know, the Browns or any other team that could have drafted a quarterback over these past few cycles, he would be good, but he would not be cover of Madden MVP Patrick Mahomes. And so they could do a good job at Travis Kelsey, some of the other players that have come through. Like I think they could do a good job at sort of farming talent. You look at Shop, and I love the way that they rebuilt their offensive line. You know, you might have five new names up front, but traded for Orlando Brown, signing Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, you know, Lucas Nain, who they drafted and opted out a year ago. And Andy Reid. You know, Eric Bieniemy, the, the the brains that they have behind the operation, you know, Brett Feach, they, they've done a really good job across the board. So I think they're one of the rare teams that might have a strength in all three areas. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think when you even look at some of the things going on, even if you were to pick on, say, wide receiver and say, well, Demarcus right. Robinson hasn't worked out. Chris Conley hasn't worked out, you know, some of those guys there. But then, you know, Byron Pringle's intriguing. I think that they've done a pretty good job with him. Tyree kills the ultimate farming project right there, right. Um, because those seeds were those seeds were interesting um, to, at the very least, and so they they've really been able to help Tyree kill on a matter where this is a guy that could have flamed out in another place, you, yep. you know. So I think that they did a good, and people saw him as a running back, you know. There yep. A lot of people who said, "Hey, listen, that's what he was good at at Oklahoma State." So, you know, to be able to turn one player, even if you said, okay, well, one out of three or one out of four or one out of five, well, to be able to turn one of those players into an all-pro um, is pretty darn nice. And I would say the same thing's true with some of their um, some of their secondary. They've done a pretty yeah. good job with their secondary. Marcus Peters, who's just left that organization not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, is a pretty darn good cornerback too. So you, yeah. you know, there's some guys that they've been able to get quality out of. You know, Legarius Sneed yes. was sort of an underrated draft pick in the fourth round, but he stepped in when they had injuries going. You know, at the start of last year, he's done a very good job. Daniel Sorensen was, you know, a guy that they just acquired. You know, he was just a guy, and they've turned him into a started safety. Obviously, you know, going out and getting a guy like Tyron Matthew. It was a nice acquisition for them. We've talked about Nick Bolton, yeah. you know, and what he did to Mac Jones. Now he might be a starting linebacker for them. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's going to be their weak side guy. And it's not like Chris Chris Jones was very talented, but it's not like Chris Jones was a world beater to right. begin his career. Right. Either. And so, you know, he, and he's 
they've been able to re-sign him and, and roll with him. So, yeah, all good stuff. All right, how about the New England Patriots? I think they also have all three, but I think it has been inconsistent over the, say, Bill Belichick era. I mean, have they done a good job at sort of developing their own talent? Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady, you know, other players, Rob Gronkowski, they've certainly developed some players. Julian Edelman, a, a seventh-round quarterback turned wide receiver. Jacoby Myers, an undrafted free agent who played quarterback and switched to wide receiver. Like, they've done some good things to develop a talent, but they've also missed on developing some players, potentially some players that were like early-round picks. I mean, Nikhil Harry might be the most recent example of a player that – they drafted early, but they couldn't quite develop him. Now, maybe the switch to number one from 15 fixes that. I don't know. Shopping, they've had some hits and, you know, going out and getting players on the market. They've also had some misses. Adelius Thomas was perhaps the most notable, you know, going all in on a defensive player and missing on him. And certainly some of the acquisitions this free agency cycle might pan out, might not. And as far as, you know, the chef, the guy that can put it all together, there might not be somebody better than Bill Belichick, but – Bill Belichick is also their sort of de facto GM who has had some misses. So I think they have all three as an organization. It's just they haven't hit on everything, but they've done it better than most. You know, six rings kind of speaks to that. Yeah, if you took like Bill Belichick and you, you know, this is going to be an awful image, but happy, oh, no. you know, happy going here. But Bill, 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 Bill Belichick to me would be like, would be like a celebrity chef on Naked and Afraid, you know? Oh, and, dear God. <laughs> because he'd be the guy, he or alone, the show alone, where, yep, you yep. know, he, he'd he be, that way they could at least clothe him. But that would be one of those things yes, please where, close him. yeah, right? So him and uh, Hoodie's a discount shopper. And I think that they all, we all know that. He shops at big lots. He probably yep. shops at like street side farmer markets. You know, he's... He's probably going out and picking stuff himself, you know, of what he wants. So you're never going to see him at a high-end place um, really getting anything um, when it when it comes to the free agent market. Um, right. So he's he gets that. What's that? There's that site on Facebook where, like, it's like the ugly fruits. I call it ugly, uglyvegetables.com. Oh, yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. I've always wanted to sign up for that. It's just like you get a carrot and it's got, like, you know, horns growing out of it or something. You get a potato and it's like shaped like a yeah. U. Everything's misshapen that normally yeah. most people wouldn't buy at the grocery store because it just doesn't look right, but it, right. it's just fine. You know, yeah. so that's kind of Bill Belichick's philosophy, I think, is that he's looking for the ultimate discount. And sometimes he, you know, I think they are aware of their weaknesses too. I know they're aware of their wide receiver thing. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a very good organization to sort of like self-scout in... And I, I always tell people they ask the right questions. You know, what can this player do, not what can he not do, which is a critical way of, of approaching the evaluation question. You know, they've had some swings and misses. All organizations have, and they've probably been better than most, but there's some inconsistency there. Yeah, they're the most sober about, I think they're yeah. self-aware and, and sober about what's going on. So yeah, and they cool. are an organization that does a good job of just moving on from mistakes, right? Yes. You know, if, if you've drafted a player and it's not working – don't keep them around for four years 
soaking up a roster spot when it's not working. They'll just move and they'll just cut them. They'll just do whatever they can to Jordan Richards, other examples recently, yeah. um, some defensive backs where they just moved on. And their system probably has a little bit of a higher of a conceptual requirement for the player in a yeah. way that some teams don't. And I think that that's why you bring in some really great veterans, even at that wide receiver position, and they failed, like yeah. just straight out. So, so yeah, they're fascinating. Well, let's go to the, I think I have a feeling we'd say the complete opposite of that in some respects um, out in Las Vegas, where, you know, I think maybe they had a little bit of that buffet before they, they headed out to the tables, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. They don't have anything. I mean, I... Chef, shopper, farmer, like they're basically like the guy that comes off the like crab boat at the dock at the end of a long winter out crabbing and pulling in the pots and they get paid the like five grand in cash for the work they did and they spend it all at the you know, the harborside bar that night. Like that's what the Raiders are. I mean, I don't know what's happening with them. You know, you've got Dan Orlovsky talking about how Mayock's on the hot seat. You've got other people talking about how Gruden's on the hot seat. They've let people go. The only here's what they are: they are a wannabe supervillain because that's what their owner Mark Davis is building out in Vegas. That like fourteen million dollar beautiful mansion that looks great. Everything else, not so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they fit. They fit what happens in Vegas, I think, you know, and it so, should stay there. Yeah, but it doesn't. And that's the no, problem. No. But I mean, you look at this and I, I would like to argue they have a chef, but their chef is kind of their Jeff, their chef is kind of like the worst moments of like Gordon Ramsay and David Chang and, you know, other guys who maybe have gotten into trouble at one moment yep. or another in the media over their past behavior. And you just, you know, I all I know is that I think that I'm becoming more and more of a fan of of basically Derek Carr. Um, yeah. You know, or David Carr, excuse me. Yeah. Um, because the fact that he's still hanging around after they brought in Mariota and the fact that he's still playing pretty well with, Gruden, who was just renowned for wearing down his quarterbacks to a, a nub, yep. is, you know, I'm I'm kind of impressed with that guy and his ability to, like, mentally, emotionally handle a lot of that. That's a mentally tough dude. So It is. He is a mentally tough dude. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about just seeing if he has his best year and he seems to be in a situation even because of that defense – to be in a pretty good year if that interior line line can hold up. If the interior line can hold up, he's got the receivers now, I think. I think yep. he's got the receivers. He's got the tight end. He's got the backs. This should be his best yardage year. Now, what that means, is it 4,500 yards? Is it 5,000 yards? Is it 30 touchdowns, 35? That's That might be a tall order for this team, but it's it, it might be within the realm. So, yep. yeah. All right, so f to end this, the Chicago Bears. Everybody listening to the show probably knows that I dabble in some farming, some gardening e each summer. Um, a couple of years ago, Matt, I had the brilliant idea that I was going to grow corn. I was going to grow corn in our backyard. And so I got the plot ready. I had a raised bed and everything. I tilled it. I got it all ready. I planted the corn. And sure enough... I probably got four or five ears for the family that summer, you know, 
because I didn't realize all the work that needs to go in to grow in a crop of corn. You need a massive field. You need all the cross pollination. And sure enough, I was out there like by hand pollinating all these ears and stuff. I had visions of being a tremendous farmer. I still do, but I'm never going to be a tremendous farmer. And that friends is the Chicago bears because they have visions of developing a quarterback. They had visions of doing it with Mitchell Trubisky that did not work. I am very skeptical about how they're handling Justin Fields. And so I think the Chicago bears have delusions of grandeur at being a great sort of industrial sized, commercial sized farmer. And they can't even grow a, a single tomato plant in the backyard. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it's, I think the chef has, why don't we say the, the, the um, cook, the cook is getting better. I think he's, I think he's starting to enroll in culinary school. Maybe he joined like it might be an online culinary academy that where you get your certificate like in the middle yep. of the night. But yep. it, but he's like starting to look out there because I think he's learned some things over the you know with this past draft. Though the problem is he got snake pit a little bit with with Tevin Jenkins in terms of the injury there. To right. See the the early returns on their top pick, but I think. I think he's getting a little bit, he's learning from his mistakes. Now, will it be in time for, you know, for this team and with what they got going on with their, or, or excuse me, the shopper, the shoppers learn from his mistakes. Excuse me. The chef still, I don't know about the chef. I don't think, I think the shopper has tried to ask the chef to like enroll into a culinary academy. Right. But they don't know what school to put him into. And the chef's like, like you said, you know, it's basically one concept will save the day. He basically yep. like he likes tomato to, soup is going to save every dish. Yes, like, exactly. No, no, it won't. And he's got one of those Alaskan like native knives that roll yep. like that you hold on to that are really cool. Like the that that your grandma and he's using it to try to dip. cut soup. Yes, exactly, exactly, and and drink it, drink with it, and yeah, that's why their lips are all cut off, cut yep. up in the uh, in the you know the media session. So yeah, I think that's enough about the bears. I know that I'm supposed to go on the keeping it 100 network next week to talk about Justin Whoa. Fields after their first <laughs> look. So we'll see if those guys are still happy they, with they're me. They're not going to keep that. you back. I'm well, you know, they're pretty darn critical of their team. So yeah, they're, they're honest. They, yeah. Like, like it says, they keep it 100. They do. So, so we'll, we'll see if we can keep it funny for them. So let's go to college football weekend, you know, in case you've, crawled out under a rock or from under a rock or you know you haven't really been keeping up with the nfl you know comings and goings of writers or you're you you like football guys and you like this the side you like the show too and you're new to mark a little bit you know mark writes a td wire and he just put out a great piece on on you know players that you know looking at some of the quarterbacks and over this past weekend and what he thought of them so i just thought i'd expand the question with college football weekend starting, what impressed you from week one, or what are you looking forward to seeing this month as you watch a little bit more? Alabama looks great. UConn is a disaster. Nebraska is a soon-to-be disaster, which pains me as a Nebraska fan. As far as quarterbacks go, look, Phil Jakovic from Boston College I thought looked really good, but he should against Colgate. Like, you, you should make the reads and the throws and the decisions that he made in that game, but you still have to then go out and do it. It's like, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, he dominated against an FCS school. Well, the expectations were that he would do that and he lived up to them. It's it's just as much a story if he does go out and 
execute the way he should than if he doesn't. If he lays an egg against an FCS school, you should probably pay attention to that too. Brian Kelly, don't tell any jokes anymore. You're not good at it. You butchered that line. And the execution on that joke was rather poor. Let's just put it that way. Um, Matt Corral, I, I thought was great on Monday night. I thought he was great on Monday night. The eyes, the mind, the feet all tied together in sync. You know, Lane Kiffin obviously has done a very good job at designing some plays for him. The touchdown pass, the fake QB draw, like delay pop throw, I thought was a brilliant design. You know, I've had people in the DM saying he's QB one now, isn't he? I wouldn't go there yet. You know, a lot of people looked at Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler and said, look, I'm done. It's, It's early. It's one game. I might be more inclined to agree with people on Howell than Rattler, but it's still early on both of those players. Carson Strong from Nevada looked pretty good too. Um, certainly has an NFL arm. The interception, I, I've seen some discussion about the interception, single high. He decided pre-snap basically he was going to throw the slot fade. I like the decision. I think he could have executed it better with his eyes. He didn't really give the safety anything to sort of, to sort of think about other than he was throwing that slot fade. So the safety got to jump on it. And speaking of safeties, I'll close with this. Kyle Hamilton. Uh, two more things. Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame looked tremendous on Sunday night. I don't think he goes first overall, but he's a very good player. He might be a top five player. Mackenzie Milton, over a thousand years, I mean, a thousand days, a thousand years, a thousand days since he played last. Nerved Andrews, artery severed, dislocated knee. Dr. thought best case scenario, he walks without a limp, comes out, not only plays for Florida State, leads them on a drive to make it a one-score game, leads them then on a game-tying field goal drive to force overtime. That was a tremendous moment. That was a tremendous thing to see on, on, on Sunday night from Mackenzie Milton. That was just a magical kind of Disney screenplay kind of moment. Love it. Those are all great. And I'd say the one game that I did watch a little bit of was Georgia Clemson and Georgia's defense looked really good. Yes. Um, And, you know, it wasn't just a collection of athletes who wind up in the NFL and being good. They actually seemed to play well in concert together against, you know, a typical powerhouse in Clemson. Um, So I I was I was really it was really nice to see that. Um, And then. I, I spent most of the weekend watching college tape, but from last year. Um, so two guys that really stood out to me in kind of very below the radar ways. One is Tyler Nevins, a running back out of San Jose State. He's about six feet, 226 pounds. And when he gets those pads downhill, um, I don't care what level of the defense you play on. You better have some sand in your pants and you better be heading forward or else yeah. he is going to put you on your butt. And your head might hit the back of the feet. Your back, of your head might hit the field. Um, and when he does that to you, um, he also has enough. He was a track athlete. He's fast enough that he's going to hold off some safeties um, for you know for 50, 60, 70 yards. Now cornerbacks will catch up to him, but he's got some quick feet. And considering that San Jose State is not an offensive line powerhouse. Right. You know, the fact that he showed ability to maneuver around the backfield and get some tough yards was impressive enough for me that I feel like I I need to watch more because there might be something there in the late rounds um, or as a UDFA. Another guy like that, to me, who, you know, to me, I looked at Jared Patterson last year and thought, this is a good 
college football running back. Like, just does everything pretty darn well. Will he do it well enough to be a starter in the NFL? Probably not, but he'll do it well enough to to have people asking the question for the next five to six years of his NFL career, um, which means he's going to, you know, you see where he is now as the second string back in Washington. Yep. Um, I think the guy who might be able to be a little bit of a Jarrett Patterson is Ronnie Rivers out of Fresno State. Ooh. He's a 5'9", 195-pound runner, and watching him, he's got that ability to transition downhill fast and when I look for that I'm looking both inside the tackle box and outside the tackle box can you transition from a pair like a perimeter start you know from sideline to sideline and get downhill within one step two steps three steps and he can do it literally just make a move and and it's almost like he's not even taking a step the steps just downhill with a nice hard cut and he, he's not a tackle breaker, but his pad level is so good that he gets under bigger defenders and pushes them backwards frequently. And so to, what I like about him is the way he finishes. I just wish he could keep his feet a little bit better in the open field when someone you know hits him. Um, because there's some yards left on the field where if, if he could consistently work through hits without a wrap or a wrap that's to his lower legs and not trip and have to dive forward. This is a guy that would probably be on the names of a lot, the lips of a lot of analysts because he catches the heck out of the football and he's a smart runner in gap and zone and he can pass protect both cut blocking and being able to pick up blitzes with a stand-up game. So, you know, I have a higher score on him than I thought I'd have with him after a couple of games um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him now that he enters his fifth year, probably because due to COVID, they decided, yep. you know, he just decided to come back. But 5'9", 195, could be a scat back in the NFL. Interesting player. Also, a quick W in the chat for our boy Ethan Young, UCLA. Huge win over LSU on Saturday night. That was fun to see. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Titanic or the mighty Missouri? You know, Cut. here we go. The Giants. Titanic. <laughs> I I want to be more optimistic here. I, I want to be more optimistic about Daniel Jones. I want to be more optimistic about their offense. I think defensively they'll be very good. Patrick Graham has done a great job. I, I love Bradbury. I, I love a lot of what they – Blake Martinez is – if you don't know Blake Martinez – Learn the name. He is a tremendous linebacker. His interception of Cam Newton, just a preseason game, one of the better plays I've seen from an offensive Former Packer, right? Former yeah, Packer. Yeah. yeah. Just they're the defense is going to be good. I just have questions about the offense, the offensive line of Daniel Jones. So until I see that offensive line protect better and and until I see Daniel Jones make better decisions consistently with the football, I can't get there yet. Yeah, I mean, and it's like the Titanic. The engine room is great. The build of the ship is great in terms of, like, if you're thinking from a defensive standpoint, but you can't have a navigator who has no awareness of the difference between, you know, basically water and an iceberg and right. and, you, and their captain. Um, well, you know, I have some questions about him too, even though he's yeah. quite experienced. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. How about the Lions, Titanic or Mighty Moe? 
three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I might have said Titanic. I mean, I might have said Mighty Mo because, uh, you know, I, I'm still I'm with you on Dan Campbell. I, I think there's something there. Patty Sewell looks to be struggling right now. And I don't know if that's knocking off rust. I don't know if that's, you know, the COVID opt out or if the switch to right tackle has sort of thrown him for a loop for a bit. So that seems to be a bit shaky. You know, I'll, I'll st- I guess I'll stick with Mighty Mo though, because I'm like you. I'm tr- I'm kind of liking what Dan Campbell has put together. I, I think it will be a project. It'll be a two to three year thing. But I think they have the potential to move in the right direction. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think they're in rough water and they're trying to figure out how to navigate this. But it's like the it's like they have they have the makings of a good ship. They they airlifted a new crew into that into that vessel and they're in rough water and some of them are a little inexperienced. But I'm I like you know, like you, I like the offensive line for the most part. Yeah. I think there's some pieces on defense that could be built out a little bit more. Their wide receiving core, listen, I think they were realistic about what they had. The fact that they got rid of Brashard Perriman to me was probably a good that was a sign that they understand what they're doing. Because um, this is a player who doesn't run routes well. He doesn't catch the ball exceedingly well. And he does basically one thing. And as the conversation I had with, um, you know, I would say a longtime NFL insider that I've known for over a decade now, I sent him a a Twitter um, missive from someone who was in the league who basically was like, you know, Brashard Perriman, you know, this is a valuable guy who's going to get picked up somewhere be- who's off the waiver wire because he's fast. And I said, isn't this endemic of the of the problems with NFL decision makers that that they like just one thing and they're there? This is the cleavage speed is cleavage of the NFL. And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Guy can't run a route and still, you know, these are the types of decisions I'd see all the time where they'd. The, the shopper would force this onto the chef and the chef's like, you you basically scooped you scooped all the goodness out of the watermelon and gave me a rind. Okay, right. I can do something with the rind, I guess, but still, why would you do that? So that's that's kind of where I'm at with the Lions. How about the Bears? I guess they're the Titanic easy, right? I Captain Picard has been dropped into the helm and the bridge of the Titanic, and he's going to do everything he can to turn this thing around, but it might not happen in time. And by Picard, I, of course, mean Justin Fields, who I remain extremely high on. But I just, I, I'm so pessimistic about the way they handled, handled Fields this offseason. I've, I've seen what Matt Nagy has tried and failed to do with other quarterbacks. I just. It seems to be a Titanic situation here. Also did want to point out in the past couple of minutes, Todd McShay of ESPN is going to be stepping away for a bit for, for health reasons. And so we All hope the best, for, the best yeah. for, for Todd because he had COVID last year. Um, hopefully, you know, he, he gets healthy and gets gets back to where he needs to be because he's great on air and we're hoping for the best. Good call. Good call for sure. Well, yeah, with the Bears, I mean, listen um, – I think they've got two nice. They've got three nice skill players. They kind of got like, you know, we'll go further old school with, and we've got Captain Kirk. We've got Spock, in in David Montgomery, and then we've yep. got 
you know, Allen Robinson, maybe he could be Sulu. I don't know. Yep. So, you know, or Chekhov, you know, something like that. And you've, you know, you've got a, You've got the bakings of a decent crew. You just need a little bit more to round that out and some important parts. You don't have your engine room. I think that might be your, your, your biggest problem there. So um, it's going to be interesting with this team. I, I think that you're going to see moments where you're going to be like, wow, get people excited but it's going to be against some bad teams or some hurting teams. Yeah. And then and then they might upset a really good team on a bad day and everyone's going to think this team is ready and then you're going to see the other side of the bears which is basically you wish you were still in hibernation. So. Yep. Yeah. The Vikings. The the Vikings are such an odd one because I like what they have defensively for the most part. I love Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I like Dalvin Cook and Madison behind him, one of the teams that uses a fullback, but they've done some good stuff there. Unfortunately, I seem to have jinxed Irv Smith Jr. because after I wrote a piece about how he's primed for a breakout year, he's gone for the year. But look, Kirk Cousins, you know, Baker, Chef, Tractor Trailer, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> like he's he's still that guy that wants he's you know a Baker with Chef tendencies or whatever. Um, I think they make the playoffs, so I guess by default, Mighty Mo. Uh, but I don't feel good about it. Like I, I think the the water could get choppy pretty quickly for this team because of cousins, because of questions about how he handles big moments, how he steps up or doesn't in big moments. And so, yeah, I think they make the playoffs, so it's Mighty Mo by default. But I don't feel great about it. Like I'm not happy to board the ship, and I feel like uneasy the entire time yeah i think the navigation's broken on the mighty mo and they're yeah. kind of stuck out in the middle of the water and unfortunately the type of the type of captain they have at the helm might not know how to navigate by the stars um, yeah and that might be the problem there so i'm a little worried about that that one too um with cousins i just think that he's limited um he can be really good but he's limited and i think yeah. that that's an issue with this team how about them Cowboys? I'm going to say Mighty Mo here. Um, I love what they have on offense. You know, Zach Martin's COVID status is a bit of a wrinkle in this little spiel I'm about to give, but tremendous three wide receiver set with Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb. Ezekiel Elliott, a very good running back. Dak Prescott, I think, is one of the game's better players at the position. You saw growth before the injury last year. Defensively, I think they're better than they were last year, although one could make the case, the retort, that it's hard to be worse. But I think Micah Parsons was a tremendous addition for them. I think Jabril Cox, I loved him coming out of NDSU slash LSU. I, I think he's a nice little modern hybrid linebacker type player. The defense will be improved. It won't be a good defense, but it'll be better. So I think they're headed in the right direction. You know, you wonder about Mike McCarthy. You wonder about Kellen Moore, who – after looking good at when he started as a play caller, then got static at times. But I think overall, this is a team headed in the right direction. I think they are, but I also think that it, this is kind of the modern day Raiders. When Al, I think Jerry Jones is the Al Davis of the NFL now, in in a lot of respects. Not the Al Davis who, in his later years, but Al Davis kind of in the mid mid to late years, like the 90s version of Al Davis, you know, where the team still had a shot of being really good. They should, they look good on paper, Yeah. but Al did some things that maybe gotten countermanded what the team really wanted to do. And I think that 
Jared Jones is kind of that kind of the owner on the boat who maybe gets a little slappy and and ends up you know calling up the calling up the command center or the you know going up to the where where the crew is and telling them to do things that that boat just really shouldn't be doing yeah um, so I'll, I'll just put it that way um and and i, I see where i see where you're going with that yeah 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 so um how about some bull oh no are you an afc or nfc guy i mean i know you're a patriots fan but but i i'm also an afc guy okay. like and part of it is an age then in a sense because you know my formative years the 80s in new england did so we were an afc market before direct tv and streaming and all that you know so so i cut my football fandom even though like you know i made myself a 49ers fan because of, of joe montana the games that i was really exposed to by and large were Steve Tasker running downfield for the Bills on, you know, punt kickoff coverage. And I will say, then going on one Bills live and having Steve Asker, Tasker ask me questions, it's one of those surreal moments of my strange little journey here from lawyer to sports writer. Because, you know, I, I th it's rare that I get nervous before a show. That's like the only one that I get nervous before because it's like, this is Steve Tasker, man. Like I wore shirts that had Tasker '89 on them. When we play football on the street, I would pretend to be Steve Tasker. Now he's asking me questions about Josh Allen. It's 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 surreal. Yeah. But you know the, the dog pound in the Cleveland Browns of the '80s, who I know you love, the drive, the fumble, those Broncos built, um, you know Browns games. Like I was a kid of the AFC, and you know I'm I remember when the Dave Craig was a AFC quarterback with the Seahawks. I had a Dave Craig jersey. Um, so I'm an AFC guy. Like I still just to this day have a soft spot for some of those battles and some of those teams. Jim Kelly and the Bills, Andre Rise and Thurman Thomas. Like you know, if it was a neutral game and I didn't have a rooted interest, I would root for the AFC team in the Super Bowl by default. I'm not Justice Mosquito. I'm watching you know the Pro Bowl and rooting for the AFC. You know, but justice is what justice is. But yeah, I'm an AFC guy, and that kind of – I think we'll see some of that this year with how stacked the AFC is, I think, on paper with the Bills and the Chiefs and the Browns and the Ravens and maybe the Patriots and the Chargers. I think this is going to be a very good conference this year. So I'm an AFC guy. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way because obviously growing up in Cleveland my first 10 years, you know, yeah. I saw Browns games. I learned about the Cleveland Browns being a big – watching that division – Learning, you know, watching NFL films and, and John Facenda narrating different things and learning about the AFL, the old AFL, and a lot yeah. of the AFC teams came from that was just really fascinating and just felt like home. And then when I moved to Atlanta when I was 10, it was like not only was like moving to Georgia like moving to a foreign country, but so was like going to so it was like seeing NFC football in a way on a regular right. basis. It was like going to a different country. I could appreciate it and I enjoyed the experience. But on the whole, you know, even when I traveled to see my father who lived in Denver and was a big, you know, John Elway fan and Broncos fan, I had been to as many Broncos games at that point as I had been to Cleveland Browns games. And then even when I went to college, I went to a couple of Miami Dolphins games when Marino and Shula were still you know, in their prime. So, you know, for me, it was all about the AFC, the AFC West, the AFC Central, which is now the North, 
Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I, I appreciate the NFC, and I have some NFC teams I really have become big fans of, but it's the the AFC has always been kind of my conference. And I and yeah, if I watched the Pro Bowl, it was like <laughs> I was always rooting for the AFC. Um, you know, from that standpoint. Too. Yeah. All right. So, any bold predictions for this year, Mark? Bold predictions for this year. Matt Nagy is the first coach fired. That's one. Okay. Um, the Cleveland Browns are going to the Super Bowl. That's my other. I, I and maybe I'm going to be wildly wrong on this, and that's fine. But I, again, I've said it so many times before, and I will keep saying it. I absolutely love what they built on the defensive side of the football. I think Jeremiah Wosu Kamara could win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I know we're going to talk about you know rookies in a, in a few minutes, but I think he's on the list of players that could win defensive rookie of the year. You know, I think they have what you need on the offense, which is a very good offensive line, you know, stem to stern, a tremendous unit that they put together. I think Baker Mayfield is in a position behind that offensive line. And in this system where he's going to be the best versions of himself as a quarterback, avoid sort of the mistakes that, you know, you would see him make it at Oklahoma or even early in his career. You know, I love the running backs that they have, you know, Chubb, Hunt. I think it's a great one-two combination there. I think you're going to see a pretty good version of Odell this year. And so I think the Cleveland Browns are going to the Super Bowl. Well, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback that. And I'm, I'm going to say that the Cleveland Browns will go to the Super Bowl as well. I think that's a good, for, I'm with you. Um, I think that's going to happen. And I, and I think that, I would even say Richard LeCount. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go crazy and say Richard LeCount's gonna be the rookie of the year on defense because wow. I think that Cleveland. I can. I'm. This is a off the wall bold one where he's gonna have to be put into a game, and they're gonna see him start to play at a level that they're not gonna be able to keep him off the field because um, this was an early round pick as we talked about last week, who who got hurt, who ended up you know, basically running, doing his workouts at a, basically a high school athlete's level because he was unresponsive on the street when the police first paramedics first came to the scene. So the fact that he's even made, been able to get his athletic ability back is quite a, quite a thing. And this was a smart player who could play the alleys well, who could tackle well, who understands coverage pretty well. I like him. So yeah, the Browns going to the Super Bowl, Richard LeCount, I think Tom Brady, um, beating Peyton Manning's records should not be a bold prediction, prediction but I feel like that um, this is like triggering me, me more than like the past 10 years of politics. Like the <laughs> idea that like I told a friend that I'm like literally the idea that people are like like have Tom Brady in fantasy football as like their 7th, 8th, ninth ranked quarterback it, this year, it, it's triggering me for some reason. I'm like, what is going on in this world that you don't that you don't understand this? But okay, so I'm so those are those are some of the bold predictions I have. I'd say another one that I'm going to write about more, and I won't get into it too much. I think Marquez Scout Valdi Scantling is finally going to take off in Green Bay and be really good, maybe even Pro Bowl good. Um, the apparently. He came to Tom Brady or came to Aaron Rodgers and said, listen, man, I, I want to, you know, I've seen you reading all these different books since I've been here. You know, I want to get better at what I'm doing. What do I need to read? And Tom and Aaron Rodgers, selfish Aaron Rodgers went to yep. the library 
and you know or went to Barnes and Nobles apparently and got like a bunch of books for him to read and he read all of them during the off season and came back in the camp and apparently his technique is like spot on he's like been like the he used to be this great athlete who was a wild child of a wide receiver now basically he looks like a 10 year vet out there and he's and he he dropped one pass pretty much they said all off season yeah. Um, and so, and then just went right back to basically making catches again after that. Do we, do we know what books Rogers made him read? No. I'd be curious to find that out. I would too. I'd, we're going to find because, out. You know, Rogers is a smart guy. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be very curious to see what books he recommended. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic, interesting story. And if I yeah. don't believe in a narrative to me, when it's a player, that's like, it fits the narratives of guys like Tony Gonzalez, who's like, I had my bat, my worst year was my second year in, in at, with the Chiefs, and while he was a high draft pick, everyone pro- thought he was going to be very promising, a la Irv Smith, David Njoku, whoever you want to mention like that. He was like, he read one of Pat Riley's books, and then you know started developing his own game plan for working out, and then recruited coaches before and after practice like you got to help me do this you got to run this drill with me do this every day we got to do this and he he talked about in the top 100 players of all time this whole story and how it, that's what made him the player he was um you know that kind of thing so if marcus Scal- valdez scantling gets it he has all pro caliber athletic ability yeah. so it's going to be fascinating so those are some of my 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 um bold predictions here so all right Jeremiah Owusu, what's his last name again? Jeremiah Owusu Kamora. Kamora, that's right, like the like the MMA hold. So, yep. What do we? He is he. So he's your defensive rookie of the year candidate. I mean, he's he's the guy I think is in my mind a leading candidate for that. Um, you know, I because I I do think we've seen this trend towards the idea of like the positionless defender, right? Like the hybrid defender. Is Isaiah Simmons the guy that? He play three different positions. He could be in the slot. He could play deep safety. He could play outside corner. He could be off ball linebacker. But yet, you know, at some point, you got to line him up on first and 10 and have him play somewhere. Um, Simmons kind of struggled with that. The thing about Wosu Kamara is he could beat your like stack off ball linebacker and help you stop the run. And we all know how defensive coordinators think. It's like, I got to stop the run. Like, even in this day and age, it's like, you got to stop the run. Owosu Kamara could do that. So I think that puts him in a position to be better at this positionless stuff than others because he could do the thing that defensive coordinators want you to do. So I think he's certainly up there on the list. I'm intrigued by the Richard LeCount thing, though, for you. Because um, after last week's show, I sat down and watched him from this preseason. And I was like, man, okay, yeah, he's back. He's back. Because like we talked about, you know, the 4-7 at the, four, at the pro day and all that stuff. He, he's back. He does look good. I think Patrick Sertan could be a player that could win. You know, you look at what Vic Fangio has put. You've got the pass rush. You've got guys that can get after it with Vaughn Miller and Chubb. You know, they've got a very good secondary. If you're a quarterback, you probably think it's fine. I'll just, I'll just, I'll target the rookie. That might be a mistake. I think Sertan could have a very good year. You know, in terms of, I'll make a homer selection here. Christian Barmore. 
I think, you know, he's going to be in a very good position in New England. And so he could be a player that could certainly make some noise as far as potential rookie of the year players go. We, you know, pass rushers tend to move the needle. So Gregory Rousseau in Buffalo, another team that has some big aspirations. He's a player to watch for, for defensive rookie of the year too. Love it. I'm, you know, LeCount, certainly I talked about another guy, two guys that also come to mind to me. One is Derek Barnes, even though he's probably not starting yeah. right now. Um, when Chris Spielman kind of, you know, is asked to check off a player, and Spielman to me is, I've learned so much about scouting players just from listening to Chris Spielman. Um, yep. he, you know, I think he's one of the best broadcasters no one talks about. He doesn't have the flash that a lot of people look for when they're talking about analysts, but the substance is off the charts. Kind of like his career, right? Yeah. Yeah, like just a hard nosed lunch pail type of guy, like whatever cliche you want to use, but the substance is there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is he he basically was asked by the Lions, find us a linebacker that you'd sign off on. And and on his short list was Derek Barnes. So Derek Barnes to me is a gamer. He understands the game. So when he gets in, I think he's going to be interesting. He's going to move the needle. Jamin Davis to me, I think is is certainly high on that list. Um, I think you know mainly because while I think Mark's pick of Owusu Kamura is probably a, a, the smarter pick, it's probably one where I think NFL media will look at that stats more. And, and understand Jamin Davis's role more than they will understand what Kamara's yeah. Yeah, value is. So Jamin Davis is more of a conventional pick, but he's also playing really well. And then his teammate on the outside, out of Minnesota, the guy that Russ Landy talked about on, yep. my, on our shows a number of times, um, Juice Day Benjamin, or what Benjamin knew. Benjamin said Juice, yeah. Yeah, say Juice. Apparently he's played well enough that you know he's going to start and usually starting young cornerbacks are really great in fantasy because they get thrown at a lot yep. and don't play very well because they have their ups and downs. But still, I'm kind of uh, I'm still thinking this guy might be able to handle a little bit and be in good situations because yes. of the pass rush that they're going to get. So I'm kind of putting him as a dark horse for that. All right, so what's one thing you'd like to educate fans about this year to make them more informed. If you could have the bully pulpit, you know, say you, say you could, um, say you could walk into like, you know, ESPN's kitchen, tell their, tell their, you know, slick haircut wearing chef to like, or baker to like go exit and get on a smoke break. And you could put on the actual chef's hat and, and instruct people on how to, how to cook something up. What would you do? I mean, there's two things that I'd like to see done. One that I think I actually could help with, one that there's smarter people than me. The one that there's smarter people than me, if, if I were an NF, uh, ESPN or an NFL on Fox, one of those executives, I would back the Brinks truck up to JT O'Sullivan's house and say, look, please come on. We're hiring you. You could talk about quarterbacks. You could talk about offense, but you need to educate the people about how pass protections work. JT O'Sullivan's videos on pass protections, they taught me so much over the past summer. Like, just subscribe to JT O'Sullivan's YouTube channel, like, subscribe to the Patreon, like, do it. You'll be smarter. Um, you know, I, I think if people had a deeper understanding of pass protections and how they sort of worked and how they're set and what goes into that, 
and how the offensive linemen play a role in setting pass protections pre-snap and their involvement in it, I think it would raise the level of understanding for what offensive linemen do. Now, look, Duke Mannyweather and Jeff Schwartz and Mitchell Schwartz now and others, Brandon Thorne, they all do great work talking about offensive line and offensive line play and technique, and I love them all. They're all brilliant. JT O'Sullivan brings that quarterback's perspective to it that people will identify with because everybody like sort of identifies with the quarterback. It's, it's what you watch. It's what the ball falls and all that. So I think ESPN back the Brinks truck up, hire JT O'Sullivan. You, you'll be much better off for it. But the other thing is how quarterback decision-making happens, you know, looking at defenses before the ball is snapped Pairing that with the route concept, getting yourself in the mind of the quarterback. Okay, I've got go flat to the left. I've got smash, spot smash to the right. This is what I'm expecting going in. I think it's going to be this coverage. And then when the play begins, then you know why the quarterback opens to one side or the other, why he looks at one route versus the other, why he does the things he does. Setting up the decision-making foundation for the quarterback pre-snap and then analyzing his decision post-snap. That's one thing that I think, you know, everybody says, well, he doesn't make good decisions. Well, what does that mean? And how do we evaluate the decisions the quarterback makes? That's what I'd love to do. If I've, if they had me on set and I had the what the big you know video board and pointed out, oh, well, pre-snap, he saw that this corner's hips were open towards the middle of the field. Every other thing is pointed to man's cover to man coverage, but he saw that he knew it was going to be zone. That's why when they spun it to zone at the snap, he was ready for it. And that's why he made a good decision with the football or the opposite of that. That's what I'd love to be able to do. That's what I try to do with the stuff that I do anyway, but you know, with bright lights and all that cool stuff, I think I, I could do that. Yeah. I like that. And I would add to that and say, you need to put you, me and Bob Harris in strategic positions and Keith Overton at Football Guys to intercept any emails that people come at when they're upset about Sullivan's hair day, which I'm sure is probably on point all the time anyway, or any Absolutely. kind of stupid stuff that would cause them to want to get away from the the brilliance that he provides. So like one, we'd have to that would mean that either we'd have to guard the mail room, we'd have to guard the we'd have to change the email and the technology and kind of intercept some things put some viruses in some of the executives areas or you and I would have to like start barricading the executive washroom so they could never get out of there yeah. to come down and like make some lame decision that would dumb down what Sullivan does um, right so you know we'd have to have reinforcements on that so I'm with Absolutely. you on that I would say another thing that I would probably say is you you know i would say epa i would like to attack epa a little bit um and say that first of all you, you know they sometimes i think they the gap the gap between the raw athletic ability of an average starting running back and street free agent may be minimal um and that may be worthwhile to to state, but you can go overboard when you start talking about the running back doesn't matter crowd when they start saying that passing is the answer because it's really hard to measure. You know, they always say they don't matter because it's really hard to measure their value. Right. Um, when pass pro, you can measure the value of that. 
Um, you know, one of the things that happens is they like to dogpile on the value of measuring pass plays where the running backs in pass pro versus in route versus their teammates. But that's really a reflection of what offensive coordinators choose for these players in their role. So it's just crappy analysis at the end of the day when they're looking at that. And so you, you know, I, I think because they don't have the tools to actually measure what they're trying to measure, um, they, they tend to kind of shoehorn certain types of analysis in there that doesn't apply. Um, so, you know, to me, the idea that if running backs really didn't matter, you know, then, you know, I mean, I know they say it in a different way, but, it, right. you know, to me, it's like they don't really even understand the position. I mean, like most of those guys still also think speed is an important thing. So it's like, for me, I, I would just like to teach people that long speed doesn't matter. Not to the level that people make it, you know. Yeah. You know, and I'd say it's an overemphasized part of what we look at. I would say that some of the ways that people try to measure these things, they're they're trying to shoehorn um, how would I put it, certain perspectives to fit their formula as opposed to trying to fit a formula around what the game is doing. Um, that makes so, sense. So, and I mean, there's value. EPA, to there's value to EPA. That's exactly right. But you need to use it as like one data point, right? Like it, it, it's one part of the puzzle. It's not the entire puzzle. It's like this. This is the best way of putting it. EPA is not like whatever medication is advertised on TV um, during your favorite football game where it's really probably got one application that works pretty well for a small subset of patients, um, but they're trying to make billions off of it by advertising it for almost everybody as every solution by bullying your doctor, by walking into bullying your doctor and saying, I need this when the list of side effects is longer than the benefits of what, of what that particularly does. And I feel like that there are a lot of people who are in the business of hawking certain analytics for money as opposed to actually for the science of it. And they've conflated the two, just like some people who actually have their medical doctor training, but will write, you know, will write memos by being paid by a pharmaceutical company to tell the government that, no, this isn't dangerous. No, yeah. the evidence isn't quite there. And they're actually being obtuse, but the government doesn't understand that right. or does understand it because they're getting paid too. So there we go. So, all right, let's round this out here. And we have, yeah, one more. What's the most po- baffling popular mainstream view you see right now before the season begins? I mean, I guess maybe the Brady one that you mentioned earlier, the the idea that, you know, Brady's just going to have kind of like an average season or, you know, he'll be okay or good by Brady Sanders, but not great. I think he's going to put up ridiculous numbers. I mean, I, I, he's healthy. He knows the offense. Byron Leftwich said last week that, look, you know, a big difference between this time last year and where we are this year is Brady and his receivers are all on the same page now. You know, they weren't going into last year. And if you think about, like, you remember their season opener, there was the interception where Evans was doing one thing, Brady expected another. They weren't on the same page. 
that resulted in an, in an interception. Those will be few and far between those kind of moments. So I think Brady's going to have an awesome year. Like get on board now or, or be sorry. I don't know if this is a popular view, but since you pretty much mentioned everything I'd want to say about Tom Brady, and we're kind of in lockstep a lot this week. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm baffled that people really think Jameis Winston is going to be a thing. I think he's really? going to be a thing for eight games, and I think it's going to be over. And I think this is going to work. I'm I the idea, you know, I just don't think you can turn a pumpkin into a carriage. And I just and I think Jameis Winston's a basically an expensive pumpkin that's been dressed up to being a carriage for many years. And as good as Sean Payton may be, I think all this. You know, we could do an '80s we could do an '80s film collage for for Jameis Winston with all the oddball training he's doing. He's serious about training, and he's working with Jake Clazier. I know Jake Clazier is probably quite serious about what he's doing and all of that. But I just feel like this is a little bit kind of glitzy. You know, he's you know, it's like everyone's showing. It's like a PR campaign almost that everyone's yeah. bought, and the, the, at the end of the day. Has any of this helped him see um, coverage better? Has any of this helped him be able to ferret out the disguises that coverage has put on better? Is he going to be quicker in the red zone? Are his feet going to be quicker when he's dropping back, when he's looking at that coverage? Or are they going to slow back down again because he's having to diagnose stuff that he's unaware of in game? I, I just think the same old Jameis stuff is going to pop up again. I'm a skeptic. I just, I don't believe it. I, I, I mean, maybe part of it is I want to believe it. Like I want to believe in Jameis, you know, obviously the reason why he was my QB two in that class, instead of Marcus Mariota, who had his QB one, the force throws into triple coverage to Nick O'Leary that popped up all the time when he was at Florida state like that hasn't gone away yet. The hope is that it will. Now the preseason action he had, like his game against Jacksonville, he didn't have a lot of those moments where he needed to make that kind of tough decision. Like his initial reads were open. He was confident and decisive. And sure, whatever he did is nice and easy and it's laid out for you. He could be a good quarterback, but lots of people could be good quarterbacks in that moment. I need to see him get to that second read, that third read, or throw the football away on third and four when nothing's quite there. I'm hopeful that that happens. I mean, but you might be right in that it never does. Um, Part of the reason for my optimism is the year off, the year of observing, the, the year of learning. Like Winston went from where he was at Florida State to being a starting quarterback for Tampa Bay right out of the gate. And then in an offense that kind of almost catered to that riskiness that he likes to play with, that sort of audacity with those decisions and throws, the Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. I think if it's going to come together for Jameis, it's going to be this year. I'm hopeful that it does. Maybe it doesn't. I think I think Jameis Winston is Theon Greyjoy before the end of the show. And I think that basically but the wait, NFL he's... defenses are Euron Greyjoy on the boat and he's gonna he's gonna wind up jumping that ship, man. But he had the redemption arc. Theon had the redemption he, arc, and he... maybe Jameis has a similar redemption arc that ends He might Well, I guess it ended badly for Theon, so maybe that's not the <laughs> analogy was... I would go with. <laughs> But it was brave. I'll say, and yeah. and, Thea, and Theon's brave. And I will say, you know, he at the end he he did have a. It was a 
it was the a bittersweet redemption story that needed to happen the way it did. So I'm good with that. But Jameis to me, I don't know, man. I just I just think that when the when the ships are set afire and 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 it's time for him to stand up, I, I think I don't think he knows where he's I think he has PTSD a little bit. A football PTSD and not to take PTSD lightly, but you know, right. you know, at the same time, he's. I think once the the action gets going, he has difficulties there. So let's end this. You know, we have a fun little. Let, let's end here. this with Matt tries to get Mark to burn some bridges and end some friendships. That's how I'm I'm phrasing this question. Oh uh, well, you know, then we're both doing this because these are all folks that we that we're friendly with. They'll take it in good stride. I yeah. this and is hypothetical mistaken identity. My lawyer had his back on. I am putting these qualifiers on, especially for question 9G. Yes. Yes. Because we are, we are, the title of this, this segment is called Hi Mom, I'm in Jail, named after Was Not Was's song that I used to have in college on my answering and, and machine. I, I also have to preface here, Mom, this is hypothetical. I know you're listening. N Matt and I are not in jail. Okay. Right. We're not in jail. We're not in jail. It's Carol. okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, but we're, but say just hypothetically, Mark, you and I are sharing a jail cell with Sigmund Bloom, Dan Hatman, Brandon Thorne, Bryce Rossler, and Matt Harmon. And for each, the charges are dropped eventually due dropped. to misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. Yeah, it was or confluence of weird events that led to this weird misunderstanding. Events or they were that were untwisted after interrogation or it was a case of mistaken identity mistaken you know, identity you know, somebody else somebody else literally looked like them doing these things yeah okay so you're going to match the name with the charge who's most likely to have been charged with attempted robbery with a t-shirt air gun i'm going to say brandon thorne for that one um you know, it was it. Thorne and Dan Hammond were the two toughest to sort of match up with these again, mistaken crimes, crimes we did not commit, etc., etc., etc. But I think Thorne is the kind of guy that people, you know, when you get to know him, doesn't want to hurt anybody. Just, just a lovable guy, and people might think, oh, you know, the robber that wants to commit a robbery but yet doesn't want to take even run the risk of of hurting anybody. So they'll use a t-shirt air gun, which might cause a bruise and nothing else. That might be something that a, a Brandon Thorne might do. See, I, I've got one for this one. I think it's Bryce Rossler. I think, really? Yes. I think Bryce, and I don't know Bryce, Bryce, I don't know you well, buddy, but you seem to have like a, a good sense of humor. So I could Very see you like probably like at an NBA game or a, or a football, some sort of stadium event where someone had one of those guns and you had a you had a couple of beers in you and you were kind of happy with your buddy and and you talked the you talked the the young lady into like giving you the the air gun the t-shirt air gun um and you wound up, and it was just to shoot it but you wound up keeping it and you walked out of the stadium with it the arena with it and you and you had the gun on you and your friend you, your friend drove you you know was driving you guys home cuz you had a couple in you and then you asked him to stop at the convenience store. You wound up at the convenience store and you you carried the gun in with you and you totally triggered um, the convenience store clerk who had been robbed three times that month right. and thought that you actually had a gun. 
and you were waving it around and trying to explain that's not what it is. And you ended up shooting the thing off, which completely triggered him. He hit the alarm and you got busted. So I think that's that that's something Does that, that makes sense. I, I can think see that. I could see Rossler that happening to him. All right. So who would be most likely to have been charged with wire fraud while fronting as a cult leader? Maybe I'm mistaken here. I thought this was the easiest one and it's segment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All absolutely. right. We're on the same page there. Cause yeah. that just, you know, you, you do shows with segment, you get to know segment. He sort of has that like, you know, soothing baritone voice and you can see people sort of line it up behind them. Yeah. It's segment here. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I think everyone knows that when Sigmund retires, he's going to end up on a ranch somewhere um basically you know having some sort of like group effort thing that is going to be mistaken as a cult on some level um hopefully gene bramble will be retired out you know 50 you know 20 miles down the road so that gene can bail him out of trouble a little bit every once in a while or at least sigmund can drive out there and talk about his woes and eventually yep. crusty old gene ver- version of gene bramble will say f you i'm tired of this just go go home man i'm i don't i i'm tired of helping you out all right so who would be the one who would be charged with bigamy <laughs> this is a tough one but ultimately my decision here was matt Harmon, um who is recently engaged very happy all of that but he's now out there on the West Coast living a great life. He, he, he's smoking meat all the time. He's exercising all the time. He looks great. Like, that's the reason why I ended up with Harmon. Because out of this motley crew, Harmon looks great. And, and so that's going to be my pick here is Matt Harmon. I, I can see that. That's a solid pick there. Um, I'm going to say – I'm going to say Dan Hatman. Because, because Dan, you know, listen, if – you know, I don't want to go too far into Dan's personal business, but I'll say Dan has fielded a is on his halfway to fielding a football team or at least an <laughs> offensive line at this point. And considering all the ventures that he balances, I think he would be the one most likely that if we were shocked that that somehow that he winded up a bigamist because, um, you know, and Spencer bless you because, you know, you've obviously done the the hard work of bringing all these boys into the, into the world. Yeah. But part of me, when I hear how many you guys have, I think, you know, I, I can't believe that that's, that's just one person, right? That's just two people right there. I think, right. I think Dan's, I, you know, I wonder if, you know, something's going on here. So, but you know, <laughs> so that would be maybe if I was having my police mind, you know, my bad policeman's mind, that would be it. That Dan would be charged with bigamy. So, how about evading police um, basically because they were refusing to pull over because the defendant mistook the cruiser for an alien spacecraft? I went with Matt Waldman on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, I, wow. and I don't know if it was because, you yeah, know. We're no longer fronting on. <laughs> <laughs> But you called me the other day. You were driving, and I think I heard sirens in the background at one point. Like <laughs> this one just fit perfectly in my mind. It's Matt Waldman. There we go. I love that. What's funny is I picked you. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I just thought, you know, you're, I could just see you on a bad day, like just being a little on the jumpy side, you know, and, <laughs> basically every day, <laughs> you know, and, and just feeling like what next? And now this, yeah. and then like, just see, you know, cause if you come down here to like the South where like the, the, you know, some of these small town police cruisers, man, they might look like alien spacecraft a little bit in terms yeah. of all the bells and whistles they got going on. Okay, so who would be, who would be the one falsely accused of being a serial killer? It's Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, mostly because like Bryce has got the long hair. I, I haven't seen him in a while, like personally. Um, like been in a room with him or like that. But last I saw him, he had this long hair. Like I remember. Bryce has this like very like clean cut like Twitter photo. There's like a profile yes. picture. But the first time I met him, he had like hair down to his shoulders. It looked like nothing like him. And I was just like, Bryce, is that really you? Um, and he's brilliant. Like Bryce is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Like uh, and like you said, a really smart guy, funny guy, and all that stuff. And I could see like case of mistaken identity. Like, man, all we could figure out is this like lawn hair was left at the crime scene or something like that. And Bryce would be the one mistaken for that. See, you know, my wife and I like watching some of these shows that deal with serial killers. And we just watched about the BTK killer, um, which is just a horrific thing. I, yeah. you know, I don't want to make light of that, but he was as normal of a looking guy as one of the oh, victims no. family said, he was like this little Elmer Fudd looking dude who I can't, you know, and then just went on to like basically say what you would expect a, a family member of the victim of a victim would say. But I would think who's the most normal looking, normal acting, soft spoken kind of guy who Brandon would Thorne? Brandon Thorne. <laughs> so I would say I could see how Brandon Thorne, ex military, you know, you know, wife and kids, soft spoken, just, you know, very normal looking. I could see how like, you know, they, they somehow they had evidence and they're like, he fits the profile, you know? So, and not because most people think it's some crazed person and it's, and they are usually pretty crazy, you know, they're crazed, but it's usually very internal. And I think Brandon has a rich internal life anyway, but probably not on that depraved level, thankfully, but you know, yeah, yeah he'd be the one. So how about pandering? This is where I went, Dan. <laughs> We had the right idea. We were both in the same <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we kind of had the right idea. It's just you know you went in a different direction with the bigamy one. I went here with Dan, but yeah, we're on the same page there. There we go. I yeah, I can see that totally. I'm gonna go with Harmon just yeah, basically okay. because you know at for all the good reasons you mentioned about Harmon being a bigamist, you know I also think that he there's a little bit of him that he just I don't know. I, I, I could just see someone, there's just something about him that I, I would laugh about because he'd be joking around and and I could just see him in some weird situation where he's attempt for pandering. So how about the attempted assassination of an elected official? Well, if you've been following along with my selections, you notice You're I haven't placed myself yet. Yes. <laughs> and so here you go. Um, and there are a number of directions I could take this reason, but um, as as Matt would likely attest to, there have been moments when he and I have 
had some discussions offline about, say, you know, real world events that have infuriated the two of us. I also I, I, I have been blocked by some political figures. I think because of what my dad sometimes does on Twitter. And so ah. you combine those elements and I'm not saying that it would be my dad that would do something like this, but yeah, I, I think this is where I'd end up. I think, I think I'd probably end up there because they would probably, I would probably, what would probably have to, what would probably happen with me if, and, and I put myself in that category as well, because I left myself off. It would be, it would be most likely because one of them would come knocking on my door when I'm a when I become actually instead of just looking like a grouchy old man, actually becoming a grouchy old man, and I could see me like you know just doing something silly that wouldn't hurt him at all, but because of the act of what I did humiliated him on video yeah. that they that they say that I attempted an assassination of an elected <laughs> official when actually all I did was like basically humiliate him but because I scared him with whatever I did you, you know that was yeah. probably what it was maybe it was at that point I bought a gun and they showed up <laughs> on my property and I said you know I I I already had like a sign up that basically said no you know, no, no solicitation, no, no, solicitation no trespassing, yeah. all of that. And I like, you know, I did that kind of thing. Cause I'll just say this, my dad once when a, um, when a, when a, what are they, the witnesses, what are those witnesses? Jehovah's Jehovah, witnesses? A Jehovah's witness was back in the day, came to his house and just, they kept coming like every day and he asked them to stop. And then they started showing up multiple times a day. I don't know why. So apparently my dad tells a story and again, my dad's 75 now. So he's out playing pickleball out in a, in a Southwestern state somewhere. Um, you know, he's no longer in Denver, so please don't arrest him. But like he, he did show up at the door once with a, his 38 at his side. He didn't point it. He just left it at his side and just kept looking down at it and looking at them and looking down at it and looking at them. And they finally looked down and got the message and never came back. So, uh, I could see me adopting that kind of thing because, um, you know, it, it m might be genetic. So there you go, folks. That was our show. It was question nine was all hypothetical. Yes. None Just of those. Yes. Reminded everybody that. Yes, yes, absolutely. The the worst thing Mark would ever do to a public official is probably throw a water balloon at them. I think that would be about it. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, I could see so. Now, and, and it wouldn't have acid in it. So, nope. you know, just water. So we're all good, folks. We appreciate you. You know, we've gotten I've gotten some nice emails over the past week saying this is one of their favorite shows that they listen to during the season and they've been long looking forward to it. So we're glad that we were able to provide the last one. Hopefully this one lived up to the last one as well. And uh, we will see you again very soon. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to plug my shit. So there we yeah. go. Rookie scouting. Bye, portfolio. Get, get my stuff. All right. Should have yeah. done that earlier, Christopher. <laughs> Sorry, man. Bye. <laughs>